Hey, Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have had a great week. I have. It's been pretty good, actually. Um, we finally uh, got a little bit connected. And, and Well, I should say, first, we got some things packed away and put away for the move. Um, technically, we've had a lot of things already packed away. But we're going through everything to make sure. And then secondly, um, uh, the other issue was making sure that the company, the moving company, took our money, which they did. I know that sounds weird to say it that way, but, you know, they were just take a deposit, which they did. So we're definitely getting on headway um, next week. Probably going to focus on trying to get the money, uh, not the money market, um, the cashier's check ready and also um, utilities set up for the new apartment. So you just keep on praying. Everything just goes smoothly that we won't have much issues to deal with. If not any, which would be better, but you know, just to give you guys a little bit of an update. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of different things going on with churches. Um, especially for this month, if you guys didn't know it's pride month and a lot of churches have been starting to advertise this welcome welcomeness for, pride group and unfortunately for me uh i am not say i should say unfortunately i don't support that so because i support biblical view of marriage um and it saddens me to see churches embracing this when we're supposed to be embracing the scriptures i'm gonna say that straightforward that way anyway so Let's see, what else did we have going on? Um, well, uh, just to let you know, during that time when I'm probably moving, I may have to pre-record a recording, so that way I can just get it out, but I won't be, it won't be like what I'm doing during that weekend, or it won't be something, like, I won't be very active, because one of the things that you can pray for us is that we pretty much don't have anything like we don't have furniture really other than a bed my desk for my computer and my computer chair and a lot of everything else is just you know being with my parents using you know the couches they have or whatever and so one of the things we're gonna have to be looking for is a couch 100 percent um chairs maybe even i don't we've been thinking about not right off the bat worrying about a kitchen table but we will have to get dishes plates and all sorts of stuff to kind of have something because literally we have like there's no paintings there's like nothing to put on the walls we have like literally nothing um we're even getting you know getting rid of our tvs because we're planning to buy a newer one that's more updated because the ones we have are like 10 years old maybe maybe like when we first got married so yeah anyway so just pray that even once we're there to get kind of get more settled so i don't know how the next week after for me to be able to do this podcast will be like i just want to give you guys a heads up um and maybe just something simple enough for me to like maybe use my phone or something like that until i'm fully 100 set up and boom we'll see what happens uh, anyway so this week this week you know there's been i've had a lot of discussions with different people on kind of like the sins effect on us throughout time I don't, I don't it's hard to explain 100 but a lot of times what we don't understand is that our sins if we don't take care of them we don't repent of them we don't turn from them if we you know some cases i i honestly think if we don't forgive ourselves for what we did we kind of become assessed 
obsessed over the, the sin issues that we've had in time. We also start allowing that sin to still have a foothold in our minds. And I've been kind of noticing from conversations with many different people that sometimes it takes time to kind of have an effect over time. Now, we read in scripture and we, we see sins that people have done, and usually we get to see the consequences of the sin pretty instant. But technically, we really don't know if it was like that moment or it was a consequence later on down the road. And I do have a couple of examples that I'm going to kind of focus on a little bit today. But the idea is that we don't understand. I don't think we, we grasp the understanding of how deadly sin can be an effect to not only our choice making and consequence, but also other people around us and, and even the future of those people because of the choice that we made. Now we can use the ultimate image, and that's Adam and Eve, because they had everything they can ever imagine perfected. And they decided to disobey God and they lost everything because they started pointing fingers at everybody else but themselves. And boom. God kicked them out and then we were cursed with sin to be a part of humanity. Not because a God did it, but because Adam and Eve chose basically to disobey God. And then instead of repenting, they blamed everybody. And I often wonder if they repented, would God have forgiven them straightforward and we wouldn't have sin in, in humanity? Um, I don't know 100% how that would have worked because I, I do believe he gave them the chance to repent. And people would be like, yeah, but, you know, Satan, he, he uh, tried to rebel and try to fight God and he got kicked out. And I'm like, yes, but Satan also was not repentive. Now, that's the key theme about today that I need you guys to start thinking about in your head as we continue. Okay. There's, there's, there's a connection to understanding sin and repentance. Okay. So one of the things that I have talked to people about when, when sin still grasps at them is that, you know, after the, after your shield of faith has been kind of, I guess you could say dropped a bit and, and you kind of leave yourself open to get hit from other spots. It's not that your faith failed you, right? It's that you put your guard down. Because you can have ama you know, amazing faith, but you get, in my, what I look at it, is get too comfortable and you drop your shield and you get hit by a dart in the chest. And it hits that one spot in the chest that's open to get nailed and it just keeps piercing in deeper and deeper. Now, the truth is your shield, the reason why I'm saying put your guard down is because if you think about it, if you're on guard, right, that shield is ready for anything coming at you. You are aware, you are alert, you're looking out, you're overwatching, you are constantly in a, a format of a defensive stance for the counter. Now, to clarify something, 
when you're countering, usually it's because there's a fight going on. And if there's a fight going on, you're not just standing there with a shield blocking everything. That sword is in your hand just as much, what ready to counter back towards the enemy. As you remember, the sword of the spirit is the image of the Holy Spirit and the power that it has it with you and how strong and powerful the Holy Spirit is because he is God. And a lot of times this, the sword of the spirit is also a depiction of the Bible and scripture and, and the truth that's in scripture. That's how strong understanding the power of God is for us. You know, we focus very much like, oh, well, and we're getting hit by this and attacked. We have all this armor, but we keep forgetting that we do have that sword. And that sword can counter against any foothold that the enemy tries to get in us. Whatever, you know, that dart that gets right through and hits us right in the chest or the head or even the leg. You see, the, the imagery is so important to me for you guys to grasp because it is very vital. I honestly do think a lot of times we get attacked at the heart and the mind the most. Especially today, especially how easy it is when we think of how much access we have with our phones. How much access we have because of streaming and, and TV shows and how we are all connected to the social media, gaming. There's just so much aspects that the enemy <clears throat> can use to get to us. Use, whether it's through our mind, with you know our imagination, or with our heart and what we fill, fill it with. You know, I've made mention many times before, you know, our hearts and you fill it, whatever you fill it in, that's what comes out. Okay. It's the same connection to the brain because once you allow your heart to be more open to something that it shouldn't be open to, your brain starts switching and starting to justify um, basically how okay it is to do A, B, or C, or D. It's in. Makes you start to question whether something is really a sin because i mean technically you know you know with my girlfriend we're living together we love each other and we're consensual and you know yeah we have sex and yeah you know we make out and yes i've seen her naked several times but the thing is the the the, the issue is it's not whether you are consensual it's not whether you guys agree of being living with each other but it's the fact that you're supposed to keep each other righteous and holy and the only person that's supposed to be seeing you or her naked is her husband and your wife but you two aren't married and if you are living with each other and you've been living with each other for you know four or five years get married because that's a union because the thing is, in our culture, it's so much easier as long as we don't have that contract or that rule that says we have to be bound to each other. Otherwise, we have to do legal fees to get out of it. You have a way to get out. And it goes right back because the same thing. Well, we've been with each other for four years now and it's great. But then when you guys have this big fight and you're like, well, I'm not married to her, so I can go anytime I want and you leave. You see how that okayed sin cause issue? It's the same with any sin if you were to pick, and especially the, the big one for this month. You know, 
it's not equal to in the sense to that type of sin, but it is part of the sin list, right? And the issue is because God created male, female, the husband's supposed to leave his family and cleave to his wife. There, there is no other options. It's man, woman equals marriage through scripture. This is not about hating anybody. It's not attacking anybody. It's a heart issue. Okay. A liar person who lies all the time and they keep lying and they keep lying. The lies just keep growing, getting worse, getting more harsh to the point where even that person starts believing their lies so much that they don't even know what, what is the truth anymore. And then it not only ruins themselves, but it ruins the relationships they have too. You see, we can go through each of the sins and focus on how it could be easily manipulated to be okayed from a certain perspective that is not God's perspective. See, the key thing about understanding sin is that sin in God's eyes is not holy, which he is 100% holy, so therefore it should not be in his presence. But what we keep trying to do is create a nonchalant feeling about sin as long as it doesn't really hurt anybody, extremely hurt. Like, you know, we, that's why we kind of use the white light concept. We, like, we're, our goal is so much to be more focused on as long as it doesn't hurt, I'm okay. As long as, you know, people agree, everything's okay. And as long as, you know, you know, I might sin a little bit. Well, I am a sinner, so therefore, you know, I'm going to sin. So therefore, you know, eh, it's going to happen. But the key part we're, that we're missing in this whole thing is that no one's okaying for every, anybody to do sin. Nobody's saying that, you know, hey, well, you're a sinner, so therefore, you know, you're, you're just going to, it's going to happen. No, you will make mistakes. You will fail and you will sin. I will, I absolutely agree with that. You will make bad choices. You will hurt other people. You will probably hurt your wife. Your, your wife will probably hurt you. You probably hurt your kids. Your kids will probably hurt you. It is, it's going to be part of the cycle because we are still sinners. Now, the whole key thing in this whole thing is then why does it seem like in our Christian culture that we're okaying so much sin, but then talk about you know, well, we're Christians and that's why we're cool because we know Jesus, but hey, we're sinners just like everybody else. And that is kind of like this push movement that we have going on where like the idea of repenting is like non-existent. Like it's getting to that type of point of thinking. So anyway, we're going to go to the story before we get into more of that perspective. So we know about King Saul and yes, I've used him many times, but he is such a good example of what happens when someone who is given the spirit of the Lord and he decides to play king of kings himself. And it's very intriguing, very interesting when you start nitpicking basically what he's done to really notice how it factors into different ideals and, and views. And since we're talking about the idea of sin to repentance 
he's a very good example of why things are an issue. So we know that Saul was king. We know that Saul was had fights, you know, wars that he had to deal with. So he was told to wait for Samuel for the sacrifice for the war. Saul, however, was still in Gilgal, and all of his troops were gripped with fear. He waited seven days for appointed time that Samuel had set. Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the troops were deserting him. Okay, so one of the things right here I'm going to say very clearly is don't put God on a timetable. You and I don't get to see the full picture, so you and I do not know what's going on, that timing that God needs you to be doing something is in his hands, not yours. So understand that because I've battled with this a lot, especially currently how long it's been taking us for us to even move. So anyway, so we continue in verse nine. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Then he offered burnt offerings. So a lot of us are like, well, what's wrong with that? He's king. He should be able to do it. Well, there's rules. He, he's already disobeying a rule of God, disobeying a rule of God. Verse 10, just as he finished the offering, the burnt offering, Samuel arrives. Well, look at that. If he had waited patiently a little bit longer, he would have gotten the best of God. So Saul went out to greet him and Samuel asked, what have you done? Now, Samuel did not say, oh, hey, Saul, you know, what have you done? What have you been been doing? He's not asking that. He is, what have you done? You must understand the context of what is trying to be perceived. So Saul answered, and I'm sure he was kind of like, well, you know, I saw the troops were deserting me, and you didn't come within the appointed days, and the Philistines were gathering in Mishmash. I thought, the Philistines will now descend on me, and, well, you know, he's noticed he said me and not us on me at Gilgal and I, I haven't sought the Lord I, I haven't sought the Lord's favor so I forced myself to, so I forced myself to offer the burnt offering gathering some words here Samuel said to Saul you have been foolish you have not kept a command see command it's obedience obedience the Lord your God gave you it was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel you see, key thing here, even though we're talking about basically sin and repentance, but if you look at this, you understand when you go and try to jump ahead of God, you don't get the best of God. And a lot of times you don't get the blessing that God had prepared for you because you rushed to do it your way. Isn't that interesting? And then, you know, if you read again, understanding how Saul answered, he was one blaming his soldiers. Then he blamed Samuel. And then he blamed the situation. So he, he was he was blaming fear. He was blaming his feelings. He was blaming his mind. And then he was like, "Oh, you know, uh, I hadn't sought, I didn't sought God's favor, so I you know I forced myself." That's another excuse, guys. He's excusing his bad choices. He's excusing his disobedience to 
everything else but because you're right samuel i shouldn't have done that i should have waited patiently more because i know my god and i know god is faithful and i know god's going to provide and i know everything is going to be okay but no instead he decided yeah i'll do it myself and so he tried to do it and boom he he basically because samuel is basically telling him he's about to lose his permanent establishment Israel as king, his family, basically. But now you reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people, because you have not done what the Lord commanded. He phrasing again, kept command, and not done what the Lord commanded. Then Samuel went to went from Gilgal to Gibeon, and Benjamin saw uh, re-registered the troops who were with him, about 600 men. And, you know, of course, we could continue, 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 but this is the idea, okay? This is one image. This is a king. This is a guy who supposedly has the way of the Lord in him, and he's supposed to be serving the Lord. And look, he made a choice that basically ruined everything for himself. I want you guys to think about that as we take a quick break. I'll see you in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the second, or I should say the second half of the episode. And we were just talking about Saul as the example of what it looks like when someone who is basically the images a Christian who's being told, Hey, you're doing sin. You're making mistakes. And instead of saying, Oh yes, you're right. I should repent. They have chosen to blame everybody else, blame their mind, blame their heart, blame their feelings, blame what they want, blame the situation, blame everything, blame fear, blame everything else, but themselves for what they had done for the choice that they've made. And instead of actually repenting, they blame everybody. And then God takes away something that could have been amazing. In his case, that's, you know, the the promise of God is a very harsh one. Because if you know later, Paul dies, Jonathan dies, and there's nobody else to take over the kingdom, and then we know David becomes king. Right? Big consequence. So now we go and we look at David. Now, David has always been one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and I, I loved Psalms for a very long time. And then, you know, I've told you about how I didn't like Paul, but now I like Paul. So the idea is that I want you guys to go back and rewind, and I know we have talked about this before. We know that David made a grievous several sins in a row almost. Bathsheba, one, he looked at her with lust, older and had adultery relationship with her, 
And then three, actually it's almost four things, try to basically lie to Uriah to convince him to sleep with his wife and then murdered him, or had him murdered. And we know that the reason for some of this part is because he was afraid of getting caught because she was pregnant and, you know, they weren't going to abort a baby because they believed that would be murder. And he was trying to hide what he did. So a lot of times when we sin, we try to hide. We try to excuse it. We try to blame other people. We try to do other things to try to make it seem less of an issue of a sin, which is super common today because we try to lessen the value of sin by equalizing it or comparing it to other sins. Well, yeah, I am sleeping with my girlfriend and we live together, but I didn't murder anybody. Yeah, you know, I, I did lie, but at least I didn't go and rob a bank. Well, of course I was mean to my parents, but at least I didn't hit them. You see, you see what I mean? So we start trying to compare and contrast what is a worse sin and say, well, at least I didn't do A, but, you know, at least I didn't do B, but at least I was A. And this mindset is starting to be how we view scripture. Well, at least I didn't do what you know, the people during Noah's time and, and try to like be evil and mean. And they were doing all that awful stuff or what they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. At least I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Cause you know, I don't just lying a few times, not a big deal. See, the thing is we start classifying certain sins as lesser value of importance. So therefore, you know, it's an okay sin to have in our life because as long as there's consensual, uh, agreements as long as like no one's really necessarily getting hurt by it and as long as it's not like condemning someone to death hey there's nothing wrong with it so aside uh, you know a lie is only bad if someone gets hurt it's only bad if someone dies it's only bad if people lose lots of money it's only bad like you know you start putting lie in a certain level but just telling someone that you know they weren't feeling good but really they were fine and they just didn't want to go and hang out with them oh that you know that didn't really hurt anybody you see that's my problem that's why we know going to david we know what he did and if you go to like second samuel 12 we get to see when Bathsheba's son david's son dies because that's the consequence that god gave him Because if you go and start in verse 13, it says, David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied right back to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. David lost his son because of his choices, consequences, his actions. You see, a key thing in understanding sin is that there is consequences. But the most important part of this whole thing is what David said in verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. And we can go to 
first John one, I'm trying to remember which verse I think it was eight. No, nine. Now verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know he's willing to cleanse us, right? And in, in Acts 3, 19, it says, Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. And this area of conversation is talking about Old Testament of Solomon. I believe it was Solomon who said in the Old Testament, but it was the, it was the clarification of the Messiah that was coming. So Jesus, in other words. Right? It was the understanding what his purpose was, that you understand who the Messiah is that was foretold by the prophets, that therefore you should repent, turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out. Now, why would he say turn back? Turn back means that you're no longer going after that sin. So in other words, David repented, and if we and then we know he didn't do that again. He didn't put himself in a position to look at a woman, lust after her in that sense, and then find out she's married and do adultery, sex with her, and then do that. He didn't do that again. That's what repenting is turning from. In Saul's case, he didn't repent. He blamed everybody else and then still kept moving forward. How many of us are doing that today? How many of us are hiding our sins and not truly repenting of them? Because even in Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Are you, are, you, are you seeing the pattern yet? If you're in sin, repent and God will forgive you and he will show mercy. But in some cases, there's still going to be consequences for your actions. Your choices will have consequences and, and, and they can be bad ones. David lost his son. Later on, David has another son who rebels against him and God deals with him. He hangs himself with his own hair on a tree. Even Solomon, who is the product of Bathsheba and David after this point, and who the line continues to connect to Jesus, to the uh, kingdom that David has, that, that family line. You see, God could still take things that are evil, and he could use it for good, but he's still going to have consequences and bad and and bad consequences that could come from it towards you because of the choices that you made. And it doesn't just affect you. It starts affecting your family, starts affecting your friends, starts affecting your future. You know, people who go and get a criminal record, they have a hard time getting jobs after that point, even if they do change, even if they do repent, even if they do become saved. They, they struggle. Even if they know that they have changed and they're a different person, like someone who, when they were 25, you know, went and uh, raped a 14-year-old. You know, oh, it's so horrible. But what happens if they repent and change and suddenly they are now a believer? Do you treat them with the same anger and hurt towards that? 
I mean, the consequence for them forever is the bad choice that they made. But we're talking about redemption. We're talking about forgiveness. So we're only allowed to forgive people if it was like a little lie. Otherwise, you know, anybody who's done worse, now it can't be forgiven. See, the beauty of grace is that we deserve or we get something we don't deserve for something that we should deserve. None of us deserve to go to heaven. Even if the only sin you did all your life was lie once, that is enough for you to be equally put to hell as someone who murdered somebody. Sin should not be taken lightly. And if you don't have a repentive heart, you are still walking in that sin. That sin is still going to be a part of you. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't think it bothers me. Well, it does. You may not see it. Other people might see it. And it does change. It does like have a change in your heart and your mind. Truly repentive heart also has a cl clearer mind. And they don't allow the past. Well, I should say their forgiveness that they have gained when because they repented. There's still going to be a form of guilt. Like you will remember certain choices that you have made that were mistakes and bad choices and caused you issue. And those will stick with you. And they'll be a part of you in some sense. But they do not have to consume you. And I think that's the other part about repentance. When you go and seek repentance from God, he doesn't bring that sin back to point out, go, hey, you remember when you made that mistake? He doesn't use that against you. He reminds you over and over again, I am your savior. I have forgiven you trust in me so a lot of times when we start thinking about choices that we've made is because it is a part of our memory it's a part of something that's still there it's like a baggage that we'll always kind of have and no matter how much we ask god to clean it out of our minds it's still there because it was a part of a choice that we made it's the same for the kid who went into the store and stole a bunch of candy bars for his friends because he thought he would make himself look cool that way. I am sure if you've done that, you probably sometimes think about it. You probably laugh about it, but it's still a part of you. The sister and goes, does God really forgive me even for that? I mean, I made that bad choice. It's still in my mind. I still think about it. You see, Choices that we make do still kind of stick around. They stu still could have a factor, but the thing is, the difference is, do you allow it to consume your life or do you understand that you have repented and that you're a change and that you've been cleansed because of the power of the Holy Spirit and what Christ has done for you on the cross? His blood covers all of that. You are clear of that sin. You don't need to keep on sacrificing him over and over again in your minds because you keep thinking that you have to do that. You you don't have to sit there and wonder, you know, 
did Jesus really die for me? Because now it's starting to go into a whole whole different perspective. You see, faith in Christ and what he did, he did it because he loved you and he wanted you to find a way to have connection back to, to your creator, God. And he brought that back. He repaired that relationship that was lost because of sin, because of his sacrifice. So we look at David and we see a repentive heart. Someone who has understood that the choice that they made did what they did. Because if you go back to 2 Samuel 12, you read what he does after he is told that by Nathan. The Lord struck the baby that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became deathly ill. This is starting at verse, well, verse 15. Now we're on 16. David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted. He went home. He spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat anything with them. You know, when my dog was dying from cancer, I, I every day I prayed over his body. I, I I touched his body, you know, with my hands, and I I believed that God could heal him. I, I remember uh, as I was, I I did want to go to bed because I didn't I didn't want to wake up to find him dead. And I thought, you know, like it's just, it was just really heart wrenching for me at that time. And I prayed over him every day, every day, every day, every day, and I believed, like you know, what Dave was doing, that you know God would heal him, but God did not. And that was the hardest thing, watching him die and having to say goodbye. But the one thing I learned from all of it is that what if God does not answer the prayers that you have had the way that you wanted, just as David wanted? Even though Nathan even told him what God was going to do, he still believed that God would save his son. This is the image of a heart that is a repentive heart because they understood the consequences that was about to be given to him. Saul did not. Because Saul continued to act the way that he acted all the way to the end with not even a repentive heart. And even in his last breath, he was still being a rebellious and disobedient king. Because in verse 18, on the seventh day, the baby died, but David's servant were afraid to tell him. And they said, look, while the baby was alive, we spoke to him. He wouldn't listen to us. So how can we tell him that the baby's dead? And David saw his servants were whispering to each other. He guessed that the baby was dead. So he asked, is the baby dead? He is dead, they replied. David got up from the ground. He washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house and worshiped. Then he went home and requested something to eat. So they served him and he ate. And then they asked him, why didn't he do all this while the baby was alive? He answered, while the baby was alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and let him live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. See, 
there is consequences for every sin choice that we make. And even if it may be a minute thing that happens, it could be a big thing. It could be down the road thing. You need to understand that we need to repent. We need to change. We need to turn from and we need to go back to God. We need to confess our sins to him and we need to repent and turn from that sin. Can't keep going. There is plenty of answers. You living with your girlfriend, you either move out or let's go get married. You have a lying problem, stop lying. Get help if you need help. Get accountability. You have an addiction, get help. You have other issues, any sin that you can think of on the list. If you have these issues, there's people that can help you. There's people you can reach out to. There's people who can encourage you, build you up to get you to walk in truth in the direction that you're supposed to go. But the choice is yours. You can either be a Saul and blame everybody else, blame life, blame your childhood, blame your choices, blame your fear, blame your heart, or you could be a David and when you, when you stand there and turn around and say, Lord, I have sinned against you, please forgive me. That is what it means to turn from sin. That's what it means to repent. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless it. Help the men and even women that are listening to this, that they have a better understanding of what it means to repent, better understanding what it means of sin and what it does and how it can break you and how it can be something that can destroy stuff down the road it can be you know current relationships could be anything lord i pray that if there's anybody here who has not truly repented they may understand and know that they are doing sin or that they're making bad choices but repenting requires of them to turn away from what they're doing and truly repent it to you what they have been doing and stop doing it I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray that you continue to bless the men and women that are listening to these podcasts, Lord, that you would help them to continue to grow closer to you and be willing to change their life just for you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, gals, have a blessed day. Um, I pray that you know your weekend went well, and I pray that your next week will go well, and I will see you next time. God bless.